0: Winter was here, but we're just getting started here on our rewatch of Game of Thrones Season 6, Episode 6, Blood of My Blood. And now, here are the two guys who are back, just like Benjen Stark. I'm Rob Sister here with Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you?
1: Oh my god, I'm doing great. My takes are burning hot, but my hands are so cold. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh
0: man, we are ready to get into everything with Benjamin Stark, uh, Night at Hornhill, and everything going on in between with the High Sparrow, Uh, Lady Crane.
1: Yes, they're all back everybody's back and look i mean i know we've been really hard on season six in the winter was here rewatch which is one of the biggest surprises of the rewatch for me for sure uh but luckily here we are in the bounce back episode of season six where i think we will have nothing but effusive praise to heap upon blood of my blood top tier elite episode of game of thrones let alone season six yeah yeah no I mean
0: there's there some things here I think that most notably uh I think the probably the the thing that we will maybe uh have the most uh meat on the bone most venison on the bone here is uh some of uh looking through brands' flashbacks that's sort of like getting loaded into his head and how when we first saw this episode, that stuff was like, wait hold on what's that or she, you know let's take it frame by frame and now we can sort of see that some of these things uh did pay off but uh, uh, overall, are, are, is the last couple episodes of the season just so amazing that sort of just uh, whitewashed a little bit of this? White Walker washed.
1: Yeah, I think probably to some degree. I mean, like, you know, we're going to get to the Battle of the Bastards. That's an epic episode. The, uh, you know, the season finale, The Winds of Winter, is an epic episode. Uh, And I do think that for me, at least, that is what I think of when I think about season six. And I also think about the, the hold the door moment as well. But as we discovered going through that episode, there's a lot in there that's just you know shoulder shrug emoji you know like it's just it's not phenomenal uh material throughout the door except for a few scenes that are really really lights out uh so that has ended up being season 6 for me so far because this is the stuff that I remember. Is like an episode, like blood, blood of my blood, is you know a, a memorably boring episode. But then there was all this other material that comes from episodes that you think higher on, uh, and it turns out that there's there's just a lot that's dragging there. So again at the end of this episode for sure mm-hmm. okay
0: all right well we are gonna pick things up with Mira reed dragging bran through the snow and she ends up at like a, a hill a little bit of a uphill and she can't do
1: it anymore she yeah can't. it's like uh it's the struggle right you know. this is an uphill battle that they're fighting
0: And in fairness to Mira, when Hodor was dragging Bran around, he was like a little kid. And now he's like, you know, six foot two, like grown adult.
1: Also, Bran was, uh, if you believe the legends, was like partially a giant, right? You know, not not Bran, Hodor, rather. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like, you know, Hodor had that, that quasi giant strength. In slug, uh, you know, sl- sledding Bran all over the place And lugging him around And Mira has again as we discussed In our podcast about the door She's got that energy of like uh, You're in an extreme situation And your, your physical capacity Has to increase dramatically uh, So now you have superhuman strength But the reserves are already starting to run out And the White Walkers and the Whites are closing in And they're going to need uh, They're going to need a little bit of help If they're going to survive the night
0: Okay so we see Mira, it's dire straits now. Wake up, Bran, wake up. And, uh, sh- you know, that they found us. Uh, they're doomed. They're doomed. But wait, who's this? Uh, in true Game of Thrones fashion, here comes uh, a man who I guess we don't learn his name until later. Did they ever say Cold Hands in the TV show?
1: I don't think that they said it in the TV show and this is, you know, Cold Hands is a character from the books who uh, who discovers Bran and his fellow travelers at some point and I believe it's late stage uh, of A Storm of Swords and he's in a little bit of A Dance of Dragons as well and there's been a lot of questions and speculation about that character's identity. He seems like he is half white uh, walker, half human or half uh, affected by white walker, uh, half human. Uh, his hands are cold, hence the name cold hands he doesn't seem to remember who he is or who he was he just knows that he's very old he rides around on a gigantic elk there is no elk on the show here as we are seeing the show's version of cold hands at the very least in benjen stark who will unmask himself a few scenes from now uh but one of the major theories from the book reading crowd for a while had been that benjen stark and cold hands were one and the same there were a few reasons why that wouldn't line up so elegantly. So it it was never a theory that I put way too much stock into and since we don't have the book's answer to mine uh, as a resource because the answer has not been delivered yet by George R.R. R. Martin, there has been something of a feeling of this Benjen Stark as cold hands reveal in the show. It's being like a little bit fan servicey. Like I think for some people it just never really landed super super well. OK,
0: so we are going to check in with Sam and Gilly as uh, they are off to go to Sam's family's residence at Horn Hill.
1: Yeah, and uh, Sam is, you know, he's not thrilled to be here. He thinks this is the best plan for Gilly, but he thought he would never see this place again. You know, uh, we we remember from the first season, Sam's father uh, had told Sam that you better join the night's watch or I'm going to take you on a hunt that you're not going to come back from. You know, his father was a horrible, horrible guy. And Sam thought he would never have to see him again. He thought that he'd be at the night's watch forever. And lo and behold, here he is back at home after several semesters abroad. Uh, and it's a it's a strange homecoming, to say the least.
0: Yes, and so Sam is uh, sent word to his family that he was coming back uh, with his uh, wife, Squeeze, his His lady friend. his lady
1: friend, you know, his lady friend who has his baby. Yes, his baby mama. Right. That's a great film with uh, (laughs) Tina Fey and
0: Amy Poehler. My wife watches it constantly on Amazon Prime. Seriously?
1: Yes. It's a great movie. It's legitimately a fantastic movie. Yes, uh, that, there's a great, uh, a great scene where uh Tierney tyranny uh, is uh, is questioning whether her child has uh, chocolate or poop on his face. And she uh, t- takes a lick and says, oh, it's chocolate. And Tina Fey says, what if it had been poop? And then Maura tyranny says, well, that's that's the cost of being a mom.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a great scene. We <laughs> reference poop or chocolate a lot in my house.
0: Yeah. Uh, that in absence of a strong choice to, to watch my, my wife will just, uh, the default setting is baby mama.
1: I'm not mad at the choice. I'm really <laughs> not. I think that that's a good default. Yeah, OK, please, please pass my uh, my compliments for the choice.
0: I'll pass your uh, word along, OK, as we are uh, going to try to pass along uh, young Sam off as uh, somebody who's going to live at Hornhill as Sam is going to go
1: be a maester. Yeah. Maester Sam, uh, not quite in the house, but, you know, hopeful Maester Sam. Uh, and he he knows that there's really no place for Gilly and baby Sam at the Citadel. And he knows that he needs to go to the Citadel to get the information that is going to prove useful to everybody at the watch and in the war to come against the army of the dead. Um, but selling the bill of goods of Gilly and baby Sam to Randall Tarly. This is going to be a challenge. Almost as much of a challenge as it's going to be to make this sequence interesting for <laughs> podcasting.
0: <laughs>
1: the, the second time around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. May we may we never have to revisit this again, but yeah. let's just put on our let's steal a brave face off the wall and put it on. A uh,
0: plot development uh, comes as we learn that uh Mr. Randall Tarly, among his many fine qualities, also does not care for wildlings, hates wildlings. Whatever you do. Yeah. Don't even don't (laughs) don't mention the wildling thing.
1: Don't bring it up. You know, he is he is a nativist. He is a he is a firm supporter of the wall separating the people of Westeros from the from the wildlings beyond. You have any wildlings. In Westeros, and they are automatically uh, vile scum. So he he he's going to want nothing to do with Gilly if he knows where Gilly is really from.
0: Mm-hmm. So do not, whatever you do, don't say anything to my dad about no, being a wildlife. Don't, uh, okay. don't do it. All right. So uh, we do meet some other members of Sam's family: his mom and his sister, uh, who seem lovely.
1: They seem great. Yeah, you know, Sam had to get it from somewhere, right? You know. Yeah. Uh even it, like uh, the, in the in the nature and the nurture of it all like it seems like uh both the nature and the nurture came from his mother uh and less so from his father although maybe the fear is derived from his relationship with his dad.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hey. It seems like he's got nothing else from his dad. <laughs> Especially not a uh, a sword. No sword not yet More than so, no, to no. come. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh I like that the sister is like complaining about her arranged marriage. I like I will I wanted to hear a little bit more about that. Simon Fossaway. Like, oh is, come on. Come on. Uh, come on, Melissa. Yeah.
1: This with his yellow. Know, Melissa, teeth.
0: No, Melissa's uh his mom. What's his yeah. uh what what's uh, Talia. Like, Talia? Talia. Talia. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah Natalia uh, Tenner.
0: So we're gonna have dinner. Now we, we get the, the big Tarley family dinner.
1: Yeah and uh what a feast what Venice a feast in. after a long haul on the ships on their way down to Hornhill uh, I think that they are going to be they're going to be very pleased with getting to to sit down and have a nice meal uh but luckily we're going to we're going to be able to hit pause on that and take a, a side trip to another storyline for some relief, because I know that the Hornhill stuff is starting to make us sweat already, Rob. So let's go to another fan favorite. Let's get to the High Sparrow. Yeah, and this is uh, all
0: confusing to me as well. Uh, what's going on here with Marjorie and Tom? And, I, and I, I guess one of the gripes that I have with you know that, you know the the great climactic. Ending to season six is uh, I feel like that we never really get to see what Marjorie's end game was. And I, I know that she's uh, trying to get out of, uh, you know, being locked up by the high Sparrow. But I always felt like that Marjorie had like some great game that she was playing ultimately. And we never really get a reveal on that.
1: You know, I think that my my feeling on it is Marjorie realizes that her best way out is to align herself with the Faith Militant and to align herself with the High Sparrow because he's become so powerful, and that by using the Faith Militant, if she can get the High Sparrow to authentically believe that she authentically buys into the to the faith, that this will be her shortcut to eliminating the Lannister problem, getting rid of Cersei through these means, um, and once the Cersei problem is eradicated then Marjorie's really attained her goal right like she's she's the queen she's uncontested at that point at least by cersei she has the the throne as it stands with um with with tommen as the the baratheon king and then from there maybe she is now going to have to start worrying about some of these external threats like the targaryen threat uh but stannis is gone at this point the iron islanders are a bit of a joke if she's able to successfully align herself with the Faith Militant and get rid of the Cersei problem, she really gets what she wants. So I think that's not terribly hard for me to see. It's just ultimately she doesn't win out.
0: Mm-hmm. So... They are preparing for Marjorie's uh, Walk of Atonement. But at the same time, they're like, eh, I don't think it's going to be that bad. It'll be fine. They don't hate you like they hated Cersei. So, um, well, you know, eh, I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Uh, Tommen is going to come in and uh, he's going to talk with the High Sparrow and uh, that he would like to see Marjorie.
1: Yes, uh, because it's been a long time. It's been a long while since uh, since King Tom and Marjorie have been in a scene together. uh, Getting close to a full season now. Okay, so he's going to go see Marjorie. He's very
0: concerned about her, and she is going to tell Tom and I what a fool I've been.
1: Uh, I see the error in my ways. Yeah. High Sparrow. This it sounds it turns out that he gets that name for a reason because I couldn't I couldn't think more highly of the guy. <laughs> he is a delight, the High Sparrow. I'm a big <laughs> fan now. Yeah.
0: And, and all the things that I did I was I was being good just because uh, I I saw the motivation from it. So I I'll, I'll never I'll never get to the good place uh with that kind of attitude.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh man, is Tom in the Cheaty of Game of Thrones? <laughs> I don't know. I
0: think think he's uh, more the Jason of uh, Game of Thrones.
1: (laughs) He's somewhere in between, right? Easily (laughs) confused, distracted by cats, uh, but also has a very hard time making choices.
0: Yeah. And so she's like, listen, uh, the gods have a plan for us. Uh, Let's let's hang in there with a High Sparrow. Trust me.
1: Yeah but I mean like he's worried about the walk of atonement She's basically saying like oh you know It's it's something I need to do In order to like you know I think that his way Really is the best way And so she in her own subtle way Is indoctrinating Tommen into a faith that she doesn't Believe in doesn't matter what she believes She just needs to convince Tommen That it's a good idea to align Closely with the faith militant because if she can Pull that con off she's Going to be able to get out of here without having to Go through all of the misery that Cersei went through and she's going to have a, a huge partnership on her side if they're able to get through like the next phase of things which is the the loris of it all that's where that's where it's really going to blow up in her face quite literally okay so when we
0: go back to the Tarly residence uh for dinner uh there's some talk of the hunt Dickon is there
1: ah yes Dickon Dickon Tarly uh, who is played by a different actor here than he will be played by in uh in season 7 though i'm blanking on the names of the <laughs> of the actors who play these guys yeah. but uh a tale of two dickons is what we are getting here in game okay. of thrones
0: and there's some talk of the hunt that leads gilly to talk about how, uh oh sam's a good hunter uh yeah. after sam gets uh bread shamed by his dad yeah
1: too many cobs up there tally. Yes. Uh yeah, so he's he mostly uh catches rabbits, the occasional squirrel. It's really John who's the hunter, not so much uh me. Although, Gilly, she's not a she's not a bad hunter as well.
0: Not for anything. Was this ever a thing on the show i feel like that sam is trying to retcon either that or like work john snow into the conversation did we ever see john go out and be hunting for the night's watch
1: no i think that's probably something that uh only exists in like the game of thrones comic book tie-ins you know <laughs>
0: i mean i know we don't see every single second sure. but yeah. like there was never even like a moment where sam and john are out like on hunting elk yeah. squirrels
1: yeah i think that the on the squ- oregon trail the squirrel hunting scene is uh, a deleted scene for r- time right alongside the scene in which they explain uh the real language that they're speaking hey, in game hey, of thrones hey, hey, is not hey. english <laughs> come on
0: well at least wait till lady crane to get back into that <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, You got it. And so Gilly ends up uh, she's always talking up Sam and they and uh, she sort of puts her foot in her mouth where she talks about how that, you know, he killed the thin. He killed a white walker when we were on our way back down to Castle Black. And that goes off in Randall's head. What do you down to Castle Black?
1: Yeah. Oh, I know what you are. I, mm. I see, I see the truth. I see who you are. I see that you're, you're, you're not what you're, what you're saying. This is, uh, this is bad news. You're Did wilding. You
0: say, Down at Fraggle Rock. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Down <Dancer> to <cares> away. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, yep, that's right. Uh, and, uh, Randall Tarly wants to know, gilly yeah <laughs> where, where are you from and north of the wall like i knew it yeah you are a wildling busted yep and so uh randall Tarly pivots to talking about the sword
1: Yeah, he he's like this is like uh, when when Charles Widmore uh, tells Desmond like Desmond has asked for Penny's handed marriage and Charles Widmore's like, ah, Desmond, what an honorable thing for you to come here and ask me about that. I think it's uh, this is cause for a drink. And he opens up the bottle of McCutcheon and he pours. He takes out two glasses and he gives the back history of McCutcheon. And then he pours the McCutcheon into one glass, and he's like, "This small swallow is worth more than you could make in a month, Hume." Uh, and that's what Randall Tarly is doing here with Heart'sbane. Like you are not worthy of Valyrian steel, you bastard. Yeah. And uh, oh,
0: I see what you're doing. Is this how you get back at me? Yes. You bring you bring a
1: wildling here to my dinner.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Eat my
1: bread. My venison that Daryl mm-hmm. Dixon caught
0: for us. <laughs> right uh, now, Randall Tarley originally thought that she was a uh, Moles Town uh, lady of the night, but uh, he says that no, I overestimated him. You're a wildling lady of the night.
1: Yeah. Well, luckily she's not a lady of the night king. You know, <laughs> when she could have been if she had stayed north of Good the, the wall.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, Randall Tarley. Uh, we do know uh, with the benefit of uh, what comes next, uh, we'll we'll meet an untimely and uh, from a dragon and you know, he thinks that, you know, wildlings don't exist. That's magic, right? That's magic. It's all, it's all magic. So all magic. I guess some some kind
1: of a fitting end for Randall Charlie to come. I'm excited about that. You know, just revisiting this scene. Uh, first of all, us being forced to have to, to go back to, to all of the Hornhill stuff right now. Uh, but I, I think to to see Randall being so horrible to my boy, Sam, you know how much I love Sam Well, Charlie. Mm-hmm. And to see his father in action living up more than living up to the to the cruelty that Sam described him as uh, is uh, it's I, I feel like this guy really, really does ultimately get what he deserves. I think maybe Daenerys makes a dubious decision in burning Randall Tarly alive in the way that she does. But I think as far as he is concerned, uh, the karma he has racked up, and as far as we are concerned, yes, he, is, he has, <laughs> we're, we're cool with it. He has certainly bought dragon fire for dinner, for sure. <laughs> Dessert, okay. just desserts. All right,
0: so dinner ends uh, very poorly. Even uh, Sam's mom is upset of this spectacle, and so uh, he tells uh, Randall, Charlie tells Sam, "This is the last night you'll ever spend at Horn Hill." Good, fine,
1: yeah. I
0: I don't wanna stay here.
1: I I hate it here. I'm not a I'm not I'm not a fan. So it's mm-hmm. good. It's great. Yeah. Okay. Uh now Gilly
0: can work in the kitchen and then uh they'll raise the bastard here, fine, but you have to leave. And I mean that's. I mean, that was kind of Sam's plan all along. So yeah, I think I mean, it would have jokes be, he, on Randall.
1: It, well, he would have he would have enjoyed visitation rights. I think at the very least, I Maybe. think he would have liked to have been able to like come back purchase, on the weekends, right? Yeah, like a weekend pass home or whatever. Uh, it seems like that's not going to be on the menu unless uh, you know unless Randall's not there anymore. uh yeah. but really, it doesn't matter because Sam is going to be so turned off by the whole experience that he's going to be like. Now we got well. We got to figure out another.
0: Plan. Oh, that's interesting. Do you, do you think that uh, Sam and Gilly end up uh, back here at Horn Hill? Like, do you think that Sam and Gilly are gonna just like have
1: uh, the rule of the roost back here if Gilly survives? Which I, I I hope she does, but I've I've laid out the case for why I think that she could be in trouble. Um, I I could see that. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense for for Sam to be I mean, ruling so from green. Horn Hill. You know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I mean this is the, you know, we're we're in a part of Westeros too that is going to that they're about to lose all of their power players and the the Tyrells are going to be completely wiped out by the end of season 7. So mm-hmm. who who is going to be uh taking on the reach in their stead? Yeah. Okay. So Same Sam and Gilly
0: are back upstairs and uh, they're talking about uh, how poorly that went. And Sam is sorry that he did not defend Gilly more at dinner. And she says, no, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at, I'm mad at him. Uh, you can't believe how the horrible people can treat good people and get away with it. Um, and ultimately, Sam is going to turn around and say, hey, you know what? You're coming with me. Yeah, yeah,
1: you That's it. baby Sam and Flipper here.
0: We're meant to be. We're meant to be together.
1: Yeah. No, he's he's not having this. Uh, you know, I think I really do think that, like he in the he, he feels like their chances are better at whatever they're going to face in Old Town than for her to be stuck here with his dad like that's just how low he thinks of his father and I do think it's you know it is a nice moment of character growth for Sam that he has come so far that he is able to defy his dad in this way he's never going to have any other interaction with his father uh, given how uh, things are going to shake out for Randall Tarley. but I think that this is uh, you know this is a, a real step in in the right direction for a confident sam whose know-how is probably going to be uh if not instrumental in the end of game of thrones although i think arguably it already has been right like he's the guy who who uh gets John hip to the Dragonstone, mm-hmm. uh, the Dragonstone supply of Dragon glass. So, you know, he's already been making moves. I think that uh, Gilly and baby Sam are big parts of like his uh, his ability to focus up and get to his points of clarity. So uh, defying his dad and bringing them with him, this is a heroic moment for the great Samuel Tarly. Okay, so we're going to see Sam and
0: Gilly as they're walking out. Sam is going to... Grab
1: that sword, pain, and he's taking it with him. Yeah, uh, and he says, "Sam, isn't isn't your dad gonna come for the sword?" And Sam says, "He can bloody well try." Is that one of Sam's catchphrases? He can bloody well try. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's also the uh, first. It's a callback to the squirrel hunting scene. Uh, mm-hmm. where uh, John says, Sam, don't move so erratically. You're going to spook the squirrel. He's going to run away. And Sam says, he can bloody well try. And then he shoots the squirrel in one shot. I, I mean, in all seriousness, season uh, one, th- th- so. doesn't,
0: doesn't Sam say the same thing when John says, uh, you know they're going to make you swear off girls at the Citadel?
1: Yeah, I think this is pretty close.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they should get a t-shirt out there.
1: He can bloody well try. <laughs> i like it i think this is good i yeah. think like if they ever made like a like a sam doll like in the that's what you st- can say a pull string samwell tarley oh
0: my oh
1: my yeah. and he can bloody well try <laughs> yeah why does sam want hearts pain? uh well it's valyrian steel i think he's aware of the value of valyrian steel pawn right it? now I don't think that I mean the I don't mean the the monetary value of Valerian Steel. I think that he is aware of the story of Jon Snow at Hardhome has heard what happens when valyrian steel makes contact with the white walkers understands the rarity of a valyrian oh, think th- that it's from a very practical purpose yeah.
0: of hey uh if we ever run into a- another white walker
1: or if I'll- we run into like uh somebody who's gonna be able to use this in a productive way given the stakes of what humanity is facing i think is, is a part of it too and then of course it's just the symbolic gesture of like the big fu to dad you yeah. know very spiteful of things at once. Yeah. Very spicy. Very,
0: yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, let's go leave Horn Hill and head back to uh, beautiful Shilba square for another <laughs> performance. Of you Lady, Lady crane and the bravosi players with <laughs> the history of Westeros. This time it's game of Thrones season four.
1: Yeah, this seems like it's like uh, how Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is broken up over two different shows. This mm-hmm. feels like this is the second play. Uh, or maybe we just hadn't been shown this far in the the first of the Lady Crane sequences. Um, yeah. But because uh, I mean, Arya does seem like this, she's like reciting the words at this point. She's memorized the dialogue. She's a fan. She loves this. Yeah.
0: Uh, and now in the season four uh, pl- uh, part of the play, I feel like they really did uh, skip over Tyrion's trial and the mountain versus the Red Viper. They really just, uh, you know, blow through all that stuff.
1: I think the Red Viper staged would have been pretty spectacular. Yeah. No, I could see um, that on Broadway. But I, I feel like there's no way to... to- you know, it's a shortcut that storyline is a very complicated story with the Red Viper. I don't think that these players are all that interested in making the non-Lannister st- uh, side of the aisle into anything resembling uh, an act of heroism. You know, I think that they this is a team Lannister show. This is very pro-Lannister propaganda we're looking at here.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, although I kind of feel like that. I don't know how they skipped the trial. They got to where then uh, Tyrion is shooting uh, Tywin Lannister with a crossbow. just fast forward his yard
1: yard through that stuff.
0: (laughs) They just blew through it. Okay. Okay. So, uh, amongst all of the silliness going on here in the play is uh, the wonderful performance of Lady Crane. A really terrific performer. The best actor in Game of Thrones yeah although it does seem miscast in this show uh in this play because the rest of the play is very silly
1: right i think that that's the thing and i think that that's what Arya is so taken with is that like all these other people have just like made like a mockery of this very real history for her um and I, I think also an interesting part of this that we didn't really talk about before, uh, is that like this is for, for some of this story, this is Arya's first time. Maybe even hearing about or seeing yeah. any kind of version of uh of the past several seasons of the show. So who knows what her version of the truth is? That could be a big part of her obsession with coming back day after day after day, performance after performance. it's like she's really <laughs> oh, trying she's to like catching up. It's like the previously yeah, on. Yeah, she's trying to get a hand a handle on the story. You know, she's just rewatching yeah. the episodes over and over and over again. But you're right, Lady Crane is like a leaps and bounds better actor than any of the other people within the play. And it would seem that. Bianca uh the the fake Sansa Stark. Yeah. Is a little jelly. Yeah, she's oh she's way jelly. Now, was
0: Tywin Lannister ever on Arya's list?
1: Oh, gosh, I'm sure. But it's been so long now that I because
0: they seemed like they had kind of a good relationship back in season two. Like he was always uh, pretty, uh, you know, warm to her uh, when when she was uh, his cup girl, his cup bearer. Right. And uh, but then uh, she she did enjoy uh, when he uh, got it from Tyrion.
1: Do you think that she's uh, bummed out that he Died on the toilet then like you think like ah oh, man i mean i'm not mad that he's gone but this is a shitty way to go uh, yeah. um uh i feel like it probably uh has
0: you know uh like you know it's weird feelings i bet like i knew it's that complicated. guy he was yeah. kind of nice to me but he was really a menace to my family
1: yeah hard to hard to pick apart the Uh, You know, you were good to me, but you're bad to everyone else.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: All right. So Ari is going to sneak backstage.
0: Got to put some poison into Lady Crane's rum. She's a rum girl. She's a rum girl. She's the only one who drinks the rum. Mm -hmm. Don't forget it. Okay. And so we see some more behind the scenes shenanigans for the Bravosi players. What's going on here?
1: Um. I don't, where where are we at this point? There's so much going on here that I'm not even sure which behind the scenes shenanigans we're well, talking
0: about. There's action that's going on the stage, but then Ari is sneaking backstage. But then we're seeing sort of like a uh, feuding between everybody going on with the bravosi players.
1: Yeah, they, they don't get along very well. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that this isn't the the, the happiest crew. That we've ever that we've ever seen. Uh, Certainly, we know that Bianca is is super jealous of uh, of Lady Crane and her abilities. So there's going to be some tension back here. Yeah. Uh, And Lady Crane, especially, I think she doesn't she's a you know, she's a huge thumbs down on the quality of the show. I think she's well aware that she is the she's the star performer here and she's you know, she could do better.
0: Lady Crane and Aria are going to have a moment together. Lady Crane has spotted Aria backstage Says, I know you're not with the play. What
1: are you, what are you doing back here? It's like, you uh, nothing. Yeah. It's like
0: I, I was just like you, that you, that you love the play so much that you want to be backstage. Yeah. You're an
1: actor. Uh, <laughs> And yes. I, I I think that there's actually, you know, some truth to this, uh, with Arya Stark has always wanted to be um, you know like sort of she, she has this aspiration to be more than what everybody expects of her, even when she was very young, before all of the horrors occurred like she wanted to be a knight like she wanted to defy society's expectations. I think she's always had this adventurous spirit that you find a lot in actors and, you know, people who are drawn to the arts and certainly right now, uh, not the arts uh, at this point in the show aria is training with the house of black and white and she is learning how to be one of the faceless men uh, and part of the art of being one of the faceless men is pretending to be other people uh, mm-hmm. so it's 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 a kind of interesting conversation where lady crane is actually talking to aria on a level that i think resonates very deeply with Arya, and aria is also getting this level of wisdom and insight from a person who does not want her dead does not want aria dead does not want Anybody dead, as far as Arya knows, does not want to see people get killed. Like, this is the first, like, non-violent adult Arya has interacted with in ages, in, like, her entire (laughs) lifetime. Yeah, Ever ever you know so it's it's basically ever Uh, certainly since like uh the the you know the big event in king's landing where she was forced out so i think that this is a a a really big moment for Arya where she is getting almost like um uh she's almost seeing like a, a mother figure in lady crane something that i think that she's surprised at how much she craves and it really alerts her to to the wrongs that were leveled upon her given everything that she's been through along the way
0: One of the things that I did think was interesting, and and you touched on this last week where uh, Arya is talking with Lady Crane and talking about how her uh, motivation for playing Cersei is off and says that, you know, if if you were Cersei, you would be angry at whoever you'd want to try to, you know, kill whoever did this.
1: And I think that as much as she's like, like she's got some insight into who Cersei is and what the Lannisters were all about. So she's speaking from experience about Cersei. I think she's also also talking about herself. You know, she says the queen loves her son more than anything, and he was taken from her before she could say goodbye. She wouldn't just cry. She would be angry. She would want to kill the person who did this to her. Um, You could sub out the people that she's talking about there and say that Arya loved her father more than anything, or Arya loved her mother more than anything, or Arya loved her family more than anything, and they were taken from her before she could say goodbye. Uh, You know, she wouldn't just cry. She'd be angry and would want to kill the person who did this to her. So this is Arya Stark unbound right like this is Arya describing herself in very clear terms and i think it makes uh, all the sense in the world that after seeing the lady crane show and being inspired in this way and like getting back in touch with who she is she realizes she can't do the faceless men things she certainly can't assassinate lady crane
0: Mm -hmm. and so she knocks the rum out of the hand of lady crane and uh and lady crane's like oh hey that's my rum. What are you What
1: are you doing? Yeah. And she points at Bianca and says, that one wants you dad." What? Yeah. Bianca? Bianca. What? Yeah. You're no, you couldn't play Cersei. Yeah. Yeah. No, so. That's it. Lady well, that's Crane. The, that's the drama. That's the drama that's happening. It's not the end of Lady Crane. We'll see some, we'll see the end of Lady Crane. Uh, yeah, not, coming soon. Not but, terribly long from now. Look, who else is backstage? But we're, we're really the, the
0: the faceless men really putting a lot of resources on the assassination of Lady Crane that they put the waif on the job. Also,
1: I think it's more they're putting a lot of resources in the development of a new recruit. You know, they're they're invested in Arya being one of them and she has proven to be a problematic student and she's kind of on her, there's no kind of, she's on her final shot here, right? Like, this is her last chance to, to really show that she is somebody who can be, uh, who can be part of the crew. And so the waif who has been very skeptical and seems pretty loyal to Jack and Hagar and the cause, she's the one who's going to be, uh, sent on the mission to keep tabs on Arya. And sadly for Arya, you know, not knowing, That that was uh, that she's being looked upon. uh, You know, this is this is going to prove problematic for Arya once she gets a couple of stab wounds an episode from now.
0: So Arya is going to go. She's going to go pull out needle. Meanwhile, uh, Waif can't wait to go back. Guess what? Guess what? Arya. Guess what Arya did today?
1: Yeah. What is it? Waif?
0: Mm hmm. with it? Waif? Yep. And she w- didn't do what we told her to do. So uh, Jack and the Gar is uh, very sad. Said, uh, all right, don't let her suffer.
1: Uh, that's not how the waif operates. Yeah, no, the waif is all about the suffering.
0: OK, Aria is going to sleep in uh, an alley. Uh, is this all part of a plan here that you know, she I... blows up a candle?
1: I can't imagine a, that a trap no. for the waif. No, that's that's like what some of the speculation was, right? Like, uh, it's all an elaborate ruse. She's planning the waif's demise. I feel like she couldn't account for getting stabbed multiple times in the stomach and, you know, falling into the to the to the water below the bridge and all of that. I don't think that this was a plan. I think that she improvises later on. Okay. All right, we'll get there. All right. There. Uh let's go back to King's
0: Landing where uh Jamie and uh, Mace Tyrell are going to finally be planning a big attack on the High Sparrow.
1: Because they've been, you know, they're they're cut off from a communication with Marjorie. They have no idea what Marjorie is planning on her side. The High Sparrow has shown himself to be a, a thorn in the side for at least the Lannisters, the Tyrells are very concerned that Margaery is going to be paraded through the streets in the in the buff, and that is something that cannot happen, according to the Queen of Thorns. Uh, so they're gonna they're gonna make their move. They talked about this. They came to terms on this. They they agreed. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna see them joining forces. A, a large squad of soldiers that's going to assemble at the steps to the Sept of Baelor uh, as the High Sparrow is going to come out. And uh and and try and and you know, he's gonna give his big speech and we as the viewer were on the edge of our seats. We're like, oh God, are we up for another walk of atonement here? Is there gonna be a big unholy battle? What's about to happen? Yeah. And Jamie is ready to go. That he has been uh
0: you know, feuding with the high sparrow for some time. They had the confrontation in the Sept of Baylor or, or earlier this season, and The High Sparrow says, uh, Nope, none of that today because look what's behind door number one. It's Tommen. Tommen. Yes. Tommen. And yes, and
1: he and Marjorie, they are now uh, working with the High Sparrow. Yeah, a holy alliance between the crown and the faith. And this is how Marjorie is able to get out of jail, is able to get out of the Walk of Atonement. She was the last person to talk to Tom and Baratheon. And so Tom and Baratheon is going to do what Marjorie wants to do.
0: Yes. And Mace Tyrell is all of us when he says, wait, wait what's happening? Yeah. He's
1: beaten us. That's what's happening. Yeah.
0: That's never a good sign on a show or a movie where the characters have to, you know, explain for the audience. Wait, what, wait what's happening right now? Like, this was bad.
1: Yeah, but I think also okay. for Mace Tyrell, he's a bit of a, a a little dim. So, you know, he could use the he could use the catch up. I think that's in in character, not mm-hmm. the condiment. Yeah. All right. I'm so, sure he's a catch up guy anyway. Uh, Tommen now back
0: on the Iron Throne and he is dressing down Jamie. How could you attack the High Sparrow? You he's thinking? my friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so uh, Jamie is now stripped of command of the Kingsguard. But uh, now I like to when Jamie's like, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to go naked in the street now. What is this? What is this? Uh, high sparrow justice you have for me?
1: No, the high sparrow justice is Jamie's banished to yet another useless storyline. <laughs> yeah. Side plot for you. Yeah. You're in side, side plot. Jail <laughs> is where you're going, sir. <laughs>
0: not to torn again please no yeah you better watch it or you'll be off to pike in season oh eight. god no
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah riverlands is a slap on the wrist all things slap considered i
0: guess yeah yeah okay all right and so josh uh here we go here's something uh Walter Frey is back
1: oh yes Welcome back, Walder Frey. Uh, just reminding us that, the, that the, one of the worst people in Westeros is still out there here with Walder Frey. Uh, and a nice reminder, as we know, uh, we're going to be heading towards the end of the Walder Frey era in just a couple of episodes. And I think to, to give us a little bit of a setup of Walder Frey before we launch right into that, I think is a, a shrewd move on the part of the yeah. show. I think well done. Smart writing. I was psyched to have him back,
0: and so know, here he is.
1: Yeah, he's great. He's
0: yelling at Blackwalder because
1: he's mad that uh, the Blackfish is taking back uh, River Run. Yeah, yeah. He they lost him after the Red Wedding, and he ran back to River Run. And he's taking control of River Run, so things in the Riverlands are just not smooth. Uh, yeah. They need to they need to get a, a fix on the situation, and then. Walder Frey is going to drag out Edmure Tully.
0: Remember him? How could I forget? Yeah. And I, I like that Walder Frey is also, again, uh, doing a lot of uh, exposition and reminding for the audience. Let's bring out the very man who got married at the Red Wedding, Edmure yeah. Tully. This is the guy. Remember? Yeah. He's, he has seen better days, Edmure Tully. He's been in a dungeon for a couple of seasons. Yeah, he seems shell-shocked. <laughs> yeah okay you're going home you're going to send you uh, back to river run now we have a scene here with jamie and cersei and josh i thought
1: this was really uh, pretty interesting uh what was what was your biggest takeaway from this well, scene Well I, I feel like, like that
0: it's been very these scenes are few and far between where Jamie and Cersei are on the same page really since the beginning of the show and I feel like that this is probably the closest that we've seen Jamie and Cersei uh maybe this in, entire run Yeah like, and- uh like I mean since jamie uh was captured in in uh season one um i feel like that uh there have been few moments where we've seen them really on the same page and uh, you, you know uh, it's like that they're both into each other
1: there's been moments where like we will see uh one reassuring the other right like there's there's scenes where jamie's like we'll we'll kill them all no one in the world matters but us uh but cersei like doesn't really fully believe it um especially earlier this season when marcella was returned home and she was dead but now we are seeing where like jamie is the one who's feeling really really hot and cersei's the one who's kind of like more measured where she's saying like Go do what Tommen is telling you to do. You're absolutely right about the High Sparrow. He's a huge problem, and we're going to take care of that. But if you hire Bronn, he, he wants to hire Bronn and a bunch of assassins to go and assassinate the High Sparrow and all the Faith Militant. So she's like, if you do it that way, you'll lose. It won't be good. It won't be good. We're going to take care of him. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. She's basically saying, like, leave it to me. Mm-hmm. Like you know, Without like outright spelling it out, she's like, we're going to take care of this. This is going to be fine. We've always been together. We'll always be together. We're the only two people in the world.
0: So do you think that Cersei has her plan in place for the end of the season already and feels like, okay, well it's for the best to send Jamie off to river run because then he won't be in the way.
1: I think also like, then he won't be in trouble. He won't be in danger. Like I think Jamie may have been, um, a wild card, in the wildfire plan right like who knows how he's going to react he's probably going to be fairly touchy at the subject of wildfire given his own history of stabbing the mad king in the back over the threat to set wildfire upon king's landing uh, so to get him out of here uh, you know eliminates a, a potential threat to the plan uh, and it also keeps him safe uh at least to some degree i mean river the river run thing is not exactly safe but she probably got the spoilers that it's going to be a mostly useless situation over there
0: okay all right so they are the only two people uh in the world and then uh we'll we'll leave it at that uh let's go back to What's going on with uh, Bran and Cold Hands? And I had said in the opening that uh, I thought that one of the more interesting things in this episode was uh, taking a look at what was going on in Bran's visions. And then I guess uh, I got too distracted talking about Mirror Reed and Uncle Benjamin to, uh, to do it there. But uh, to circle back to Bran and his visions, Josh, uh, was there anything that really stood out to you upon looking at that uh, now with the? benefit of the future of game of thrones
1: no no like major groundbreaking uh revelations i think that we didn't have close to this time i think a few weeks beyond this point in the airing of the show uh, because you see the mad king you see the mad king heiress in the flashback that's kind of cool uh, and you also see uh like a wildfire explosion and you associate the two um but then i think in the run-up to the season finale i think that that you were starting to see some of the theorizing that the, uh, that the light of the seven stuff, uh, was what brand was seeing. And it wasn't the mad Kings wildfire plans. Um, and instead it was, it was a future glimpse instead of a, a glimpse into the past. So it just helps to reinforce the idea that Bran uh can see further down the line than, uh, than we realize that it, it's not just dipping into the past, but potentially he can, he can dip into the future a little bit. um, so that's cool. I really like that. I think that's neat. Uh, but there's there's not much more uh, that I took away beyond that uh, from from this watch. How about yourself?
0: Um, with the, I was looking at some of the stuff with the uh, with the Night King and I, and I didn't go frame by frame or anything like that. But uh, like has is there anything that was in there
1: that was beyond season six? Not that I could tell. I don't think so. Mm. I think a lot of it is just like, Oh, Night King, he's there. He's bad. He's dangerous. Mm hmm. Very okay. dangerous. But the thing about brand too, is, uh, from this point forward, you know, really like the big thing that he's going to let us know is about who Jon Snow really is. He's going to let the audience know about that. He's going to help out in the little finger stuff. Um, but he's not going to, he's not going to provide much information beyond that right through the through the season seven finale that that's immediately coming to mind for me anyway uh so potentially like what he has what he currently knows from his visions is a lot greater than he has led on to us even as the viewer Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like i i think that there's there's potential for like uh you know fairly early in the final season of the show he could he could really come out with some groundbreaking revelations OK. All right. Speaking of groundbreaking revelations, it
0: is time for us to learn the identity of uh, Mr. Uncle Benjamin. Uncle Benjamin, you're alive.
1: Yes. And he just gives these like, yeah, I was I was I was riding into the north, found some white walkers. They found us rather. I got stabbed, it sucked. I was left to die mm-hmm. and the children of the forest, they found me and used the white Walker magic to turn me into this crazy in between type of dude. Hmm. Yes. He's somewhere. He's not quite alive. I'm not quite dead. Yes. Go, but go my, on. But, but my hands. Yes. The so cold. Right. Uh,
0: he's also uh, draining a, a rabbit of its uh, blood of its blood. That's gross. Yeah. Uh, Mirror reads like, well, I could do it faster. You could see I could take the blood. Uh, out let's, it. let's not let's not get back into that. <laughs> let's get out of that. <laughs> yeah. And so Uncle Benjen seems, uh, you know, he's up on the Night King.
1: He is. He likes the Night King. And by likes the Night King, I mean, he's not a fan. He's he's here to take him out. He's here to help Bran. He knows that Bran is the man who has to get back south of the wall and bring his information. He's the three eyed raven now. And that means all the information that's swimming around in his head is of the utmost importance. Allegedly.
0: Allegedly. Um, So Uncle Benjen gives Bran one other little uh, nugget here. And this is one that we have not really seen bear any fruit. He says uh, one way or another. The Night King will find his way into the world of men. When he does, you will be there waiting for him and you will be ready, which speaks to Bran having uh, an important role in the fight against the Night King.
1: I would be astonished if he doesn't. There's so much setup for it. And, like, I understand if Bran Stark isn't everybody's favorite character on the show. Uh, you know, he sits out an entire season. Maybe that's a mark against him. Um, but there's no question that there has been a lot of well, investment what can he actually in his story. do? You know, he could warg into a dragon take control of the dragon. Mm hmm. You know, so I, I think for for me, I would I would be I'd be really floored if something like that does not happen in the final season. Yeah, I think especially hearing Benjen say this here, uh, I think just just helps to reinforce that that is something that is coming up.
0: But hypothetically, the, you know, and we've talked about this a lot of the idea of brand can warg into a dragon. What what could a brand warging into a dragon like? What could that actually do against the Night King?
1: I think he can. I mean, he, if he has control over the ice dragon, then he can either turn the ice dragon on the the White Walker army, or he could use the ice dragon to. Or he could destabilize the ice dragon, right? Like he could take away, like, this big, basically nuclear weapon that the Night King has. Or if the Night King is flying on top of the ice dragon mm-hmm. and Bran is able to warg into the ice dragon and suddenly it crash the into Night King. Yeah. And the Night King is like no longer in control of the thing and he goes flying and he, you know, gets very, very badly damaged as a result. Yeah. Jon Snow rushes in to give the killing blow. OK.
0: All right. Let's go for our final scene to uh, Daenerys. And it's time for Danny to get the Dothraki hyped up.
1: Yeah, she needs to to rally the troops. She needs to she needs to basically like do the same ending from a couple of episodes ago, except this time with words. With a dragon. Yes.
0: Yes. And so Ultimately, that Danny, you know, she killed all of the calls a couple of weeks ago. But now she is going to address the uh,
1: khalasar. Yeah, she's going she's gonna to she's going to speak to all of these people and say that every call they they choose three blood riders to fight beside them. But I'm not a call and I am not going to choose three blood riders. I'm going to choose. However many of you there are as my blood riders, you're all my blood riders. You are my ride mm-hmm. or die people. People seem to be pretty hyped about that. You know, it's a good, good leadership tactic. You make everybody feel really important. Yes.
0: And she's speaking to them in their,
1: in their native tongue. In Dothraki. Yes. Yes, yeah, she's not English. The no, not English. This is a different language. Yes. Everyone else speaks English. Everybody else speaks
0: English. And uh she gets them uh, hyped up. And uh this is I think Danny's uh big uh, like her Jerry Maguire moment of uh, who's coming with me?
1: This dragon. didn't work out. It didn't this work. This dragon out for is coming Jerry with McGuire. me. Yeah, but no, this, no. Is, this is like the anti Jerry moment. Yeah. This is like after Rod Tidwell like wakes up from being briefly <laughs> unconscious. Yeah, like the business is 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 trending upwards, and uh, like the, it'd be great if like the whole horde like in unison like told Danny, "Shut up! <laughs> you had us at hello." You had yeah. us at hello. Who's coming with me? Are you with me? Let me uh, hear it. Yeah. And
0: then the dragon uh, flies, and what uh, what a climactic finish!
1: It's very exciting. Yes. Okay. All right. And the, and the episode is called "Blood of My Blood." Yes, Uh, that's what she's she's talking to them in this one scene at the end of the episode. Yeah, there you go. Game of Thrones season six,
0: episode six.
1: All right. So (laughs) we are we are through that. We've got season six, episode seven on the docket coming up. And I am excited for the return of the hound is, is what we are getting to in the next episode. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to have him back. I've missed him. So yes. Okay.
0: Well, uh, we will have that coming up uh, next week. And uh, we're going to get
1: Leona Mormont next week as well. Oh, okay. Well, exciting. That's, that,
0: I, I, I get pumped up for that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. So uh, excited to uh, be closing in uh, to uh, all of the, the best of season six uh, around the corner.
1: Yeah, no, the best is, is still to is come. Yet to come. Yeah. We've only just begun. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So lots of good stuff uh, coming up. We'll get back into it with season six, episode seven. Of course, you could follow the great Josh Wiggler on Twitter. He is at Round Howard. I'm at Rob Sistrino. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.